I'm trying to build more community at a time where, you know, I think the the outside energy would have us be divided. I think it's easier to be divided than it is to be together. It's hard to be together. It's hard to be in a band. It's hard to be a part of a group because what happens when you disagree with the person who speaks the loudest? You know, what happens when you don't identify with the group? What happens when the group sees you as less than because of how you love? It's very complicated, but I think for me, it's important to cultivate relationships with people that, you know, I think not always even people that we share a similar experience, but people that sort of are also about community. I think that to me is what I'm looking for. People really looking to build and really be in people's corners and and stand up and, and be a voice for each other. That to me is important. This week, I'm sitting down with my guest co-host and friend, Lena Waite, to talk to the talented writers and producers, Little Marvin and Ladarian Smith, about mentorship. We are also speaking to Gina Price Bythewood, who mentored Lena when she was coming up. That's three generations of mentors together, established and emerging, people who are continuously opening doors for one another and who believe in the power of community. The wisdoms they share, the lessons, the learnings about our collective creative legacy remind us of the power we have to create opportunities, spread love, and spark change for and with each other. I mean, my philosophy is when you recognize that someone has talent, you do what you can to help them find that path in because it is really, this industry is really, really hard, especially for Black women. So hard. So how do I make her path easier? What doors can I open for her? So for me, it was introducing her to Yvette Lee Bowser and Susan Fales Hill, who were my two mentors on A Different World, were complete heroes of hers. So that was beautiful to be able to connect them. And now the fact that Susan Fales Hill, you know, ran 20s, the show that she did that in amazing full circle. But yeah, for mentorship, how, how do you make their path easier? And it it shouldn't take away from, I think, fighting for what you want is a good thing and a good lesson because it it just really grounds you. But how do I make it easier? And how do I inspire you with the way that I move through the world and this industry? Because I feel like that's how I'm teaching you also. And that's something that Lena does talk about. You know, my advice to her about be great. And at first that she thought that was just so broad and what does that mean? But it really is, we have to be great to to be able to sustain and have stamina in this industry. And you may not reach greatness on a project. I don't think I've reached greatness yet, but I'm going to work as hard as I can to get there. And that will produce hopefully really good work that then begets you more work as well. I am Darnell Moore, and this is Being Seen, an in-depth exploration of culture's role in resolving the tensions between how we are seen and how we see ourselves. Focused on the gay and queer Black male experience, Being Seen is a space to explore culture with leading artists, writers, activists, and entertainers. If we create nuanced and accurate cultural portrayals of identity and experience, we have an opportunity to reduce stigma and change perception. 
impacting everything from HIV to institutional inequity. A mentor for me, that's a connection at like base, but it provides insight and wisdom that I don't currently possess. That's how I view mentors, particularly as it relates to my queerness, um, which we're going to get into later. But it's somebody that I feel like I can be comfortable enough with to be some level of vulnerable with. And that doesn't just have to be on a creative tip. You know, it's a personal one as well. Like it's beyond reading my pages and offering advice on like how to make it better. It's like taking an investment in me. And I think that's particularly important in Hollywood because there already aren't that many of us. And so mentorship fortifies the ranks. It shows us we aren't alone. And that's been important for me because it can feel like you are alone at times. By the way, apologies, man. I didn't know there was any video component to this, so I was not prepared. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I was actually over here giving you all the dap for this outfit. Don't worry. The video, nobody will see that. This is just us. Dude, but no. no. I, I need to go put my Hillman Gragg stuff on real quick. Yeah, by the way, this was not even on purpose. This was literally, I just love this hoodie. So I'm like, you done came through with the, the shades on and a hat, and I'm up here in my... Let me go get changed real quick. You, <laughs> yeah, right. How would I describe Alina Waithe as a mentor? Um, in a word, everything. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I have to thank our executive producer, Miri Yoon, at Vertigo Entertainment, who brought us together. If you want to know a strange story, so I wrote the pilot. This is before anybody gave a shit about me or the show. I uh, wrote a pilot, and I like to write things into my phone, just things I want. And so I wrote the pilot, wrote a little message into my phone from executive producer Lena Waithe, and then I put it away. Didn't think about it. And then seven, eight months later, Mira Yoon got attached and she's like, so who do you want to bring in as a collaborator? And I sort of said it as a dare. I was like, Lena, just to see like, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, Lena, wait. And she's like, hold, please. And then two days later, she's like, all right, you're sitting down with Lena for brunch on Saturday. And I was just like, what is happening? Uh, and that's how it happened. And from that very first brunch, we sat together and she treated me like a partner from day one. She didn't know me from Adam. And she had such faith in the project, such faith in my voice, which means everything. You know, it's not, she walks the walk. It's not just talk or lip service. She truly does. Um, she's a champion for, for black folks, for queer folks, for new voices. So I was the benefactor of that. Connecting with Lena and Rishi was divine. That's like the best way I can put it. I was staffed on a Disney Plus show called Diary of a Future President when I got wind that Boomerang was coming back for a second season. And I was already a fan of Lena's because of the shy. And so I just kept thinking in the back of my head, I'm going to work on one of her shows. She just doesn't know it yet. And I tweeted that. I was like, I'm going to work on one of your shows. You just don't know it yet. She liked the tweet at the time. Actually, I don't even think she saw the tweet, to be real. Only one person liked it. And I was like, well, y'all don't have to believe it. <laughs> y'all don't have to believe it. I'm going to believe it. That's what was so great about our relationship, because she was my extrovert, you know, and um, she she repped me very well. And she worked really hard and she loved what we do love movies, love television. And so it was it was fun and I felt like she was learning from me, which was, uh, you know, a beautiful thing. And one of my things that I learned early on is the importance of 
those who are doing it reaching back. And, you know, for me, it was Casey Lemons. After I saw Ease Bayou, I was just so blown away and saw suddenly the level at which black female directors could be. A mentor is not necessarily someone that tells you what to do or holds your hand or makes you feel safe when you're scared. A mentor is someone that shows you through behavior and example how to rise above the ashes again and again and again. And I think that it's sort of people assume that a mentor even has to be a teacher. You know, Prince is a mentor for me. Never met the man. But I admire the way he never allowed the audience to determine who he was as an artist. So therefore, in watching that and in looking at how I move through the world, you can see that mentorship. It was not for her a matter of being admired. She was being corroborated and confirmed. She was wise enough and honest enough to recognize that Black American artists are in a very special case. One is not merely an artist, and one is not judged merely as an artist. The Black people crowding around Lorraine, whether or not they considered her an artist, assuredly considered her a witness. The country's concept of art and artist has the effect scarcely worth mentioning by now of isolating the artist from the people. One can see the effect of this in the irrelevance of so much of the work produced by celebrated white artists. But the effect of this isolation on a Black artist is absolutely fatal. He is, already, as a Black American citizen, isolated from most of his white countrymen. At the crucial hour, he can hardly look to his artistic peers for help, for they do not know enough about him to be able to correct him. To continue to grow, to remain in touch with himself, He needs the support of that community from which, however, all of the pressures of American life incessantly conspire to remove him. And when he is effectively removed, he falls silent. And the people have lost another hope. James Baldwin, Sweet Lorraine, Lorraine Hansberry, playwright and author, A Raisin in the Sun. I love how Baldwin said so beautifully in the passage he wrote called Sweet Lorraine, talking about how misunderstood the play was, and but how he knew over time it would be appreciated. But I love that she took a really big swing while she was here. She wasn't here for very long. She was younger than me when she died. But she decided to, to not hold back, to challenge her audience, even if she knew that would mean that they would misunderstand her and maybe not like her too much. But I'm grateful for the swing that she took. I'm grateful that she put it on the page because A Raisin in the Sun is like, it's a piece of us. It's in our DNA. It's a part of us. It's a a testament to who we are as a people. Even if our own people didn't, didn't really understand what she was trying to say at the time, it needed time to really gain the respect in the audience it deserved. And I love that it's now it's become one of the most revived plays uh, in the history of theater. She is, is truly a testament to making the most of your time while you're here. And, uh, and when you get up to bat, you hit out of the park. 
I think because I did not allow myself a plan B. You know, in my 20s, when the going got rough, I ran. <laughs> like, the minute something was hard, I'm like, I'm out. This is not meant to be. And then I think with age, you just realize that things being difficult, that's just day one. <laughs> right? Like, oh, shit, this is challenging. Well, that's just day one of your job. And now you're going to continue to do your job and find um, and uh, find opportunity within that thing. And so I think with age, I just discovered that, like, it will always be difficult. You will always have fear. These things never go away. Like, so you just have to make peace with those things and and swing. And I think, I just, I believe in the big swing, man. I mean, life, first of all, life's short. Second of all, there's too much crap out there, right? Like, there's so much shitty television. <laughs> just so much that, like... I don't want to, like, I don't want to add to the shit pile. Now, but people are already like, well, you just did. I, I'm not listening to them anyway, so who cares? But, like, I think, like, uh, it's very difficult to make anything. And so you just got to, like, swing big and you've got to do it with your entire, your whole heart. That's it. I believe bravery is the first step in telling an honest story. It's not easy to tell the truth. So it takes courage to be honest in one's own art. Because you run the risk of someone seeing their truth in yours. And it might be a truth that they aren't ready to grapple with. Yeah. If I could name, like, my biggest takeaway, I have one that just comes springs right to mind because you just mentioned it. It's her bravery. She really sends great texts. This is something that maybe people don't know about her, but I'm just going to out her right now. On any given day where I am feeling like maybe at like 75% brave, she will just, I will send her something that I'm thinking and she will send a text back and I am suddenly instantly at like recharged 100% brave because she just comes right in and reminds you why you started and reminds you what you're doing. And uh, that is, again, I call her a champion because she is. She's not only a champion herself, but she's a champion of others. And uh, it's a super rare gift. Super rare. Not one I take for granted. That's the other thing. Be, be brave in your choices. Have courage in the stories that you want to tell, knowing that our stories are not always wanted or embraced. That is... 100% how we need to move in this industry and it does it does take courage to write stories that only you can tell and not only write them but stay with them you know love and basketball was a year and a half of my life and then every single studio turned it down and you know for me I, I going in I thought I should write something the industry wanted but it was a story that was so stuck in my head about this little black girl who wants to be the first girl in the NBA. And I finally said, let me just write that story. But it was scary. It was scary to to give up that much of my life and believe in something. <laughs> I think courage is something that I inherited from my grandmother and her grandmother and her grandmother. And because we don't have the luxury of being afraid. We don't have the luxury of not being oneself. If I wasn't all of me, all of the time, 
I wouldn't be able to survive. In the ways that Black women have always been so present, so caring in the lives of particularly Black men, Black boys, Black people, I want to especially underscore that some of those women were also lesbians. I know from my own life, Black lesbian feminists have been so instrumental. And it could be that they filled in a gap in a generation before me that had been widely a generation of Black gay men, Black queer men, Black bi men, for the most part, a generation of artists that have been taken too quick, too soon. And, you know, I think about people like Essex Hemphill, who was in community with folk like Audre Lorde, who was writing along around the same time as Cheryl Clark. Cheryl Clark would eventually become someone that mentors me, but I had Cheryl because when I didn't have Essex. So I'm grateful for the Black lesbian feminists who are, as Cheryl would say, Black queer troublemakers who've shown up in my life, and some of them were women. A lot of them were. I am largely who I am, and not just as a person in the world, but my politics are what they are because of the thinking and ways of being that Black lesbian feminists sort of modeled, right? So many of the people that I looked up to, Essex, Marlon, Joseph Bean, were in community with these same Black lesbian feminists who really helped them develop a politic. Um, so I think what they gave us was permission to expand like our understandings of our own humanity and also to, to understand that self-reckoning was is a gift to the self, yeah, that's. I think that's what I, I feel like I was, they bequeathed to me. And as gay, a queer, Black men, it's true that we're missing a generation of people who could have been our mentors. Men that have been taken too early by HIV. HIV and so much else. So much else. So much else. Is that something you think about? And how do you think about that particularly when constructing your creative images and work? I think about it from time to time, particularly as it relates to bridging the gap and learning from the men that are still here. It's very twofold for me because not only are we missing a generation of mentors, but being as sheltered as I was as a kid, I didn't have a lot of access to people that weren't family or church folk, which means a lot of my conversation was centered on anything except being queer. I had no one to talk to about anything, and so I spent most of my teen years and a solid chunk of my 20s navigating my queerness in isolation because I was taught to be afraid of being queer, even though I knew it was me and it wasn't going anywhere. And you know, my plight isn't unique, you know, being silently queer in the Bible Belt and fearing those rejections from your family and from your community, it leaves you scrambling a bit. I know me in particular, I scrambled hard. Uh, I directed choirs, I was singing on praise teams, was on the usher board, taught, su taught Sunday school, tried to preach a little bit, but I don't hoop and holler. You know what I mean? Like, I tried it all, but I'm not a hooper or a holler, so I had to let that go. But basically, I was doing whatever I could to somehow earn the approval that I felt that I was lacking when what I actually needed was affirmation of the queerness all along. And to your point, that would have come from an older generation had there been one for me to consult at the time. Yes, and do you think there are ways that we can honor those men and ourselves by becoming the mentors that we needed for other people, right? Like, so for me, I often say, 
because of what I lacked or because of what I didn't have access to, like I so vehemently wanted to pay it forward. Like, you know, like I was like, uh, I didn't have people around me who taught me about publishing. I didn't have creators around me who, who, who helped me to understand that there's a variety of things I can do in front and behind the camera. So I'm going to go all in on making sure that I can show up for others who are coming alongside of me and behind me. Um, tell me what your, what your thoughts are about that and how you might, how you sort of, uh, take that on in your own practice for yourself. Man, I love that that's, you know, where you are because I, I'm, I'm starting that journey. I come from the mindset that I didn't have anything to offer. And so what am I paying forward? Like I said, I used to view that queerness in isolation as like a deficit. You know, I, <laughs> it's funny. I used to joke like, man, I wish I could come up in a house like one of the houses on Pose. And it's like, no, you, you you want the camaraderie, but you don't want everything else that comes with that. And so, again, you just have to be mindful of what you say. But beyond creating content that celebrates our humanity, I think we can honor these men by being proud and empowering those who don't feel the same pride. We affirm what's been rejected and we use what skills and talents we possess to help carve space for everybody. And then... We destroy the gate that others are intent on keeping. You know, I want to see us in all of the stories. I mean, that's that's my that's my easiest way to say it. Um, I'm obviously a kid who's a horror geek and a genre geek, and that's the world I love. And there aren't many of us working in this space, and. Uh, I look forward to a day, I gotta say, I really look forward to a day where there are so many of us in this playing field that the need to compare us against each other or to pit us against each other can stop, right? Like, that only happens because there's so few of us. That's right. But if the sandbox was flooded with our voices and flooded with our experiences, it would negate the necessity to compare. And so, like, just the way that Lena, she did that for me. She kicked open a door just by by sitting with me that day at that brunch. Now I know I can now, I'm in the first season of television, I can turn around, kick open that door for the next person to come through or people to come through. I used to think there was like a, like a checkpoint or like a checklist I had to make before I could be a mentor. And that's not true. You know, God willing, I'll be an elder one day and I'll get to be what I didn't see growing up. I want them to be freer than we are right now as artists. I don't want them to be held back, even by their own. I want them to be free and the work. Yeah, we need, I want their work to not be politicized. You know, I want them to be able to tell stories in the way they see fit. And I don't want them to be afraid. And I don't want them to have limits on what they can do. That's really the through line. Censored art isn't art. No, that's cool. I just want to get through it without crying because that's a great question. But um, I think the short of it is we're all coming at this from different like lenses and perspectives. And 
you know, some of us are, quote, further along on this journey toward acceptance than others. But first off, I love all of you. And I believe that we are just so much stronger together. And there's just so much wisdom that I feel like is worthy of being shared between all of us. And like, you might be in circumstances right now that don't allow you to be like your full self. I definitely understand that. And that's something that I still contend with to this day. That was love. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Man, thank y'all. I, I got to get off this mic so I can go cry a little bit. <laughs> go cry. <laughs> no, they're good tears. They're, they're very they're very happy tears and like emotions that I'm happy to finally release. And I want other people to be able to have this feeling too. But I can't help them get there if I'm not there. So I just want to say thank you for providing this opportunity for me to actually voice some stuff that's been in here for a really long time. And I just didn't know how to get it out. So thank you. I'm deeply, deeply honored. And don't worry, we'll see, I'll see you soon. We won't be hanging. Much, much love. Being Seen is produced by Harley and & Company and Darnell Moore and created in partnership with Beeve Healthcare. Theme music is provided by Moses Sumney.